Welcome to the Happiness Uncovered podcast with your host, as well as current life coach and motivational speaker, Alexis Escobar. Every single Monday and Thursday, it is with my greatest intentions that I share small ways to create big changes. So if you've been in search of a straightforward way towards a more fulfilling life, then this podcast is your first stop. Now that you've made your way here, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and share it with someone who's on the same journey. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode. Let's get started. Happy Thursday, everybody. Thank you for joining me for another thriving Thursday. I hope you guys enjoy the Get Right Monday. You guys are kicking ass, keeping it moving. I'm actually recording in the Iron Family Fitness Gym today, so... Bear with me. The audio is still better than the last couple phone call um, podcasts. So here I have Pastor Dave Sandoval, and he works at the New Wine Church in Fullerton. And we actually met through the Iron Family Fitness Gym, hence why we're recording here. It just seemed appropriate. And so I'm just super excited to get into his story of, you know, the the reality of coming from a not-so-good childhood to, to having that realization one day that, you know, that 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 street life isn't the way to go. It isn't the need to be in realizing that you have a message to share and a passion to fulfill. And that's basically what I'm all, all about. So here I have Pastor Dave. Go ahead and just start off like with what you do right now and then we'll jump back a bit. All right. So what's up, guys? I just want to say it's a real blessing to be here and to give my testimony. So right now um, we're really involved with um, juvenile halls, we work with at-risk youth. Um, my family's really involved in the homeless. Pretty much everybody that nobody else wants to deal with. That's what we deal with. Uh, my church is a recovery church. We have a little bit of everything there. Um, uh, everybody's recovering from something, whether it's trauma, addiction, you know, people treating you bad, whatever it is. Um, so. That's where we're at right now. I love it. So everybody has a place there. And I yes. think that's super important to have like um, a physical space, you know, like here I do my podcast. It's more of like an emotional head, like, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. You know, like I feel understood. And then you go to like the places like you, the places that you service. And it's like, oh my gosh, there's probably, I bet you like a lot of relationships and connections are formed, you know, just from realizing. Yes, for sure. The, the only friends that I have are church friends now. And the strength of my church is that they don't judge you. you. You know, we have a dress code and that's just to be dressed. <laughs> they, they don't make you wear a suit and tie. My pastor, um, he's an ex-drug addict. He's a, a biker. You know, we got ex-gang members there. We got ex-white supremacists there. Um, and we all know that we're nobody to judge. So there's homeless that show up for Um, some of the meetings and you know they're you know stinky right off the street we welcome them in there's nobody that we turn away definitely and I think that's so important because you can't say that you allow that kind of space and then only allow a certain type of people which some churches do or some like organizations do that you have to be like under specific type of hurt to be allowed in you know so that I don't know how that works but so what like where did you start exactly like clearly this wasn't always what you did like what was growing up for you like 
So growing up, my mom was a heroin addict. Now we're going to get really uh, extreme. <laughs> Not everybody's going to have an extreme story, but um, my mom was a heroin addict in and out of prison. My dad was a meth dealer. Um, he was an alcoholic, a womanizer. Um, I remember one instance, my mom had kidnapped me and my brother. And it was like one of those... Um, shows you know like with the gang members and they got the oldies playing in the background and everybody's strung out and there's needles everywhere and my mom had locked the door and everybody was passed out on heroin my dad came and kicked down the door rescued me and my brother and proceeded to beat my mom up in front of us so the person i had to look up to was my father who was an alcoholic, a meth dealer, um, a womanizer, a woman beater. Um, so I was pretty good for the sake of being good. I was a really smart kid. Um, nobody made me do my homework, but I aced all my tests up until freshman year in high school. Freshman year in high school, I kind of stopped and said, wow, nobody cares about what I'm doing. I have no, uh, you know, I could spend the night at my friend's house, come home the next day. Nobody would even blink an eye. Um, so I started going across the street and smoking weed, um, and then, you know, at lunchtime and then just going home. And when that curse is in your family, it is, it escalates really quickly. It's so easy to just, yes, you don't even realize it. it's just the way your body's chemically, you know what I mean? Yes. It's yes. And it, and there was an abundance of it at my house. Um, you know, I remember my dad's little speech to me. Um, he took me through McDonald's drive-through and he had a little piece of weed and he, and he gave it to me. He said, that's yours. And then he showed me all the speed in his bag and he said, this is mine. Don't mess with it. So, you know, where other dads are having the talk about the birds and the bees <laughs> or, or this and that. Um, and it was normal for me. That's just the way it was. That's the way we grew up. We grew up around gangs. We grew up around um, drugs. So, and, and freshmen... When I was a freshman, I, I dropped out and then it quickly escalated into doing meth. Um, I stayed on meth from the age of 14 to 26. Um, 12 years. 12 years. And I did about seven of those in prison. Oh, wow. Um, in and out of prison, living that lifestyle. You know, I had a better name in prison than I did on the street because in the street I was nothing but a drug addict. Um, in prison, I was, I did whatever I needed to do in prison to survive and to make a name for myself. And, you know, all the madness that goes with that. I had a kid um, and my, my daughter didn't make me change. Um, I tried, every time I would go to prison, I would tell myself, okay, you're not gonna get high, you're not gonna get high, you're not gonna get high, you're not gonna get high. I would do years at a time. And sure enough, when I would get out, I couldn't, I didn't have the self-control because it was normal to us. This is just what you do. I didn't know any other way. So at the age of 26, now I had horns tattooed on my head, I had Diablo on my neck, I had 666 behind my ear, you know. I got a tattoo of a needle going into my arm. I got a tattoo of a meth pipe and I was in a slingshot. I was up for four days on my fourth term. And I just said out loud, I need a program. And there was a brother there who said, oh, there's a church program over here. It's a year long. And at that point I was just done. 
I wasn't looking for God. I wasn't looking for Jesus. I wasn't looking for religion. I wasn't looking for any of that. I didn't want to go back to jail so soon. You were just like, there has to be something more out there. There has to be something different, you know, and I didn't know anything different. The only time I would leave my city is when I went to prison and then I would come back to my city. And at that point, it's like, like you said, it's all you've ever known. So it's so, I guess not easy, but it's, you're just like, it's sticking to the basics. Yeah. I mean, for some people to get arrested was like, you know, so chaotic and, and dramatic and, you know, people calling to, to get bailed out and stuff like that. I would fall asleep in the back of the cop car. It felt like I was going back home. I did so much time in jail and the prison and being on the streets felt weird and being in prison started feeling normal. What about... Your parents, like, throw the 14 through being 26, j- drugs, jail, streets, like, did your parents have any type of say to you, or was it just like, you're doing what we did? Um, my mom was in and out of prison. She kind of made a life for herself in the Inland Empire. Um, I lived in Orange County. Even though it doesn't seem like it's far when you're on drugs, you don't leave your little area. Yeah. Um, I used to buy dope from my dad. I burned my dad. I broke into where his drugs are and stole them and then lied straight to his face about them. Um, so it was just the lifestyle. My dad was a drug dealer. I ended up being a drug dealer. Um, I sold drugs for a long time. You know, I, I hung out with a bunch of different gangs because of the, the drug lifestyle. And, I, uh, you know, I remember when my daughter was born, my mom came in a beat up like Toyota Celica and gave me a half ounce of speed as like the baby shower present. Yeah, here you go. It was, it was just, looking back on it now, I don't know who the hell those people were. I don't even know who I was because um, it's so chaotic. But to, at, the, at that time, it was normal. So is your mom sober? My mom is now sober. Um, you said... She- your brother sober my brother sober my dad is actually homeless he goes around canning he calls it canning looking for cans at night he still gets high um but he's the next person to work on it actually my mom was in prison when i got saved and when i wrote her the letter saying that i gave my life to god she was slamming heroin in jail in prison oh wow she found a way she was slamming after people with AIDS, she had just given up all hope. When she got the letter that I finally gave my life to God, um, she stopped doing heroin right there. With that letter, she never got high again. She turned her life around. Um, she was doing an eight-year stretch. She got out, and she's been sober ever since. She's the <coughs> she's the one who actually got us connected to do a lot of the stuff that we do with the youth. She works for the homeless. Um, she's the one that works for, with the homeless, taking care of the homeless. Um, she actually lives with me. I think that's such a, like, a beautiful thing to, to not only like, clean up and realize you know, that you had a bigger purpose, but to like, give back to the people who, like, that was you at one point, you know what Absolutely. I mean? Like, it's not like you got better and you like, looked down on those people. Oh, it was no. like, I, have, I hold so much space for these people and so much room. So, you know, to allow you to get through this and help you get through this. And mm. how, so when you sobered up, you were 26. Um, how old was your brother? Did he sober up shortly after you? Was it? No, no. He was, we tried so hard with him, but he, he 
was a real prisoner. He did about 25 years and oh, he's wow. only 30, he's 37 now, um, but he's been sober for a couple years. So from the age of 12 to 35 or so, he was not out more than one year. Since he was 12 years old? Since he was 12 years old. Wow. And he, he would use, when he was in prison, we'd have to send him money. And, you know, he just got to a point. I got him into a couple different homes. I got him into detoxes. And um, he was just stubborn. Yeah, I mean, it's not an easy thing. No. You know, the, the, even the thought of cleaning up, like, doesn't cross a lot of people's minds. No, but... God led him to a point where he ended up in the hospital. Um, they call it the 10-minute club. He ended up dying for 10 minutes because um, he got a blood clot in his knee. He got a hold of some bad dope. Um, they ended up cutting off his right leg, and when he woke up, he was blind. And to some people, that would seem so horrific. It, it, like, you wouldn't even want to go on. But when you are a believer... Um, God does things supernaturally. When he woke up, he had no bitterness. He was so happy that God spared his life and he's been serving God ever since. You never see that guy sad. You never see him unhappy, feel bad for himself. He's just, I really look up to him. He's a real inspiration because he had vision and both legs when he went to the hospital. Yeah. He woke up out of his, his drug-induced coma and he, my family was all scared. And, you know, me being the man of the family, they all nominated me to tell him. That he had lost his that leg. That he had lost his leg. We didn't know he lost his sight until later. Oh, okay. So he, he still remembers the way I told him. And, he, you know, um, but I told him and everybody thought that he was going to say, why don't you just let me die? And. But God really, really got a hold of him, and he's just on fire. He, he does the same things that we do. He has a real heart for the lost and the, the juveniles mostly. You know, if you catch them um, while they're still kids, you won't have to visit, a, visit them in prison. Yes, that's so important. So looking back, you know, from how old are you now? 38. Okay, so you've been sober for 12 years? I've been sober for 12 straight years. Congratulations. <laughs> um, but, you know, like looking back to how you grew up, let's say that like you saw your kid going through that and you see a lot of kids going through it. Like, uh -huh. what do you tell them? What do you tell those kids? I tell them, well, I'm a living, they can't see me, but I'm tattooed from, my whole head is tattooed from head to toe. Um, I'm not just like a normal pastor, but when they see me, it gives them hope to know that they can make it, you know, that, you know, growing up, everybody told me that it was okay to be the way I was because of the way I was raised, the way my parents were, and they co-signed for me and I ran with it. Yeah. When I went into the program that I went into, my director Mondo said, you know what? You have to take responsibility for your life. You can't blame your parents. You can't blame the drugs. You can't blame society. You know, you're 26 years old. How You can just keep blaming people your whole life and do the rest of your life in prison. Yeah. But so when I talk to these kids, I just tell them straight up, you know what? It's not worth it. God didn't make you to be... Um, 
I mean, the heroin epidemic is so bad out there right now. The meth, everybody's dropping dead from fentanyl. People are committing suicide like it's nothing. Um, all that stuff is like becoming more and more socially acceptable. Before when you used to hear it, it was like a shock, yeah. you know, but now the, the, all these kids getting shot in the schools and stuff like that. So you really need to be upfront with these kids. Like you are not made to just be a drug addict. It doesn't matter if your parents are drug addicts. And no one's yeah. probably ever told them that, yes. you know? Yeah, you have to own up for what you're doing. God has great things for them in their lives. And, you know, I tell them the story. You know, a lot of people like to gangbang, but they don't understand what happens. You know, when you're gangbanging, you're, you're shooting at your enemy. You're trying to kill your enemy. When you go to juvenile hall, you're fighting with your enemy. Um, when you go to prison, your best friends with the person that you're trying to kill see those streets have us so blinded to those things you end up spending the rest of your life in a cell with someone that you are trying to kill on the streets for stuff that doesn't make any sense i was actually i was thinking about that i was thinking so you know you decided to you were like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to live this life. I don't like the streets just isn't it. There's a, there's a higher purpose out there. And I just wanted to know, like when you made that transition into being who you are now, was that an issue for the people that you like that you ran on the streets with? Um, I separated myself completely from everybody, you know, just, just separated myself completely. Um, I didn't talk to anybody. I didn't, um, you know, the people that really care about you, they want to see you succeed. And if that means that they have to stay away from you and you have to stay away from them, they're okay with it. Especially when you're, you know, sad to say you're nothing but a drug addict out there. You know, you're burning people, you're hurting your, your, your friends and stuff like that. So, you know, most people now, well, even now, my, the people that I used to hang out with before, they see my Facebook posts and Instagram and it's all positive and it's good stuff. You know, it's motivational. It's talking about God and being sober. And I've had several of them reach out to me because at one point it just becomes old. You can only become a drug addict for so long. You have all these kids, you know what I mean? So a lot of them reach out for help to me now. And that's, that's where I draw my strength from, from helping others. You know, you, I've been sober for a long time. I've been serving God for a long time. So I like to help others get to the point where they're never, ever going to use again. Yeah, exactly. They're never, ever going to drink again. Because coming from my background, you can't drink. If I drink, then I'm doing drugs. You know, it's just so I have to stay completely sober. The people I know have to stay completely sober. And I love trying to help them to get to a point where they can do that. I think that's amazing, you know, and... I don't know, my my dad grew up like in some not so good areas, but not to like the extremity of like, you know, being in and out of jail or, mm -hmm. but it's just amazing to see like, you can wake up one day and just realize like, this shit's getting old. Like yes. this is just not the way of life. And then, then there's like the complete opposite where some people know that there's more out there, but are just like, this is what I'm stuck with. Like I'm dealt with this. Like you said, like right. that victim role, like it's my parents' fault. It's the street's fault. It's the gang's fault. That's... So I'm just going to keep doing it. Yep. Yeah. And you can be a victim of your circumstance for the rest of your life. There's thousands of people doing life in prison that wish that they just had one more chance. One more chance. You know, 
Um, whenever I give my testimony, I tell everybody, well, I'm a genius, so it only took me 12 years to figure out, hey, <laughs> you know what, this ain't working, you know. And, um, but you do, you just come to a point um, where you don't, you don't know what you want, but you don't want what you're doing. Like I said, when I went into the program, I wasn't looking for God. Uh, there was a point in my life where I did year, months, whatever it is, I got out for one day and I went back for years and months again. So when I went into the program, you know, you can see the drugs, you can see the women, you can see the alcohol, you can see the fast money, but you can't see God with your eyes. But as soon as I went into this program, it's like the thing that I had been looking for my whole life. The thing that I was struggling with, trying to not get high and not be the same person for 12 years, as soon as I went into this program, I never uh, wanted to get high again. I completely changed who I was, my identity. Um, God gave me a new identity where I don't have to feel like I'm some punk because I'm a Christian or, you know, I don't have to feel some type of way because I'm not doing the things that I used to do. Um, but everything that I was struggling with, he took from me like it was nothing. And I've been sober ever since. And you, you give back. I think, yes. you know, that's the most important thing is, is a part of the process. I don't think you can come to like this full moment of like clarity without unlike without truly giving back and like opening your heart to other people. I think that's the whole point of having faith, whatever you believe in. It's, you know, you love everyone equally and you don't judge others. Yes. And, you know, God doesn't waste one of your tears. God doesn't waste one pain that you went through. Every time that you thought you couldn't make it through and you did, God doesn't waste that. You know, when you come to Christ and you start getting to the position where you can give back and then someone comes and asks you about a situation that you went through then you know the purpose of those tears you know the purpose of what you went through you know a lot of people ask me um would you if you did it all over again would you want to do it sooner but you know you could say yes or you can say no because all of my experiences contribute to what I can now give back to the kids. Yeah. Now what I can give back to the community. You know, when they talk about having messed up parents, I raise my hand and be like, well, come on, let's go talk. <laughs> you know, when they talk about prison, drugs, you know, all, all of those things, you know, I have experience and people, especially in this day and age, they don't want to hear you talk. They want to see you walk it out. They want to see your life. They want to see you thriving. You know, I'm the vice president of a heating and air conditioning company. I'm a salesman. You know, um, I'm an associate pastor at New Wine Church. I run an anger management ministry. You know, I take care of my four beautiful kids. You, you have know, four kids now? I have four kids. Um, I just bought a house, you know, and coming from my background, that should be statistically impossible. <laughs> There's no way, you know, that I should be making it, but I am. And I haven't done anything special. You know, God gave me a word for 2020 and it's consistency. That's so funny. I think about that too. I'm like, no one's really special. It's just a matter of how you want to see the way, like how you want to see the way life treats you and what you take it for yeah. and how you react to it. Yeah, you'll, you'll find people that grew up in horrible situations 
and one of them becomes a drug addict and goes to prison and the other one never touches a drug. They become a police officer or a correctional officer. It's just the way that you take life. You know, um, you can either become everything that you didn't want to be with all the bitterness and resentment towards your parents or towards society or whatever it is, or you can do something about it. So considering, you know, like obviously growing up wasn't easy and probably just like the struggle or like the path to sobriety, that's not easy. Like within itself, getting your brother to change, your mom to change, right. helping other people change. Like do all the problems you have now seem so small compared to everything you've been through? Um, well, I'm a clown. Um, I, do, I don't, I don't take life so seriously anymore. You know what I mean? I've had traumatic stuff that's happened to me. It doesn't take away my joking around. It doesn't take away my smile, but being a Christian still is not easy. I've been through some major stuff. I'm going through major stuff right now in my Christian walk, but you know, the more you see God come through for you and the miracles after miracles after miracles, the stuff that you used to stress about, you know, finances, relationships, my kids, you know what I mean? Trying to juggle training, trying to juggle working out, trying to juggle eating right, drinking what, you know, life. And, yeah. then, and now I have, you know, I have a puppy. I have, <laughs> I, I have all my kids, you know what I mean? And, and all trying to do all of those things are rough but it's nowhere near what i went through and i think going through all those things makes me and it makes me even in the hard times enjoy life you know say, where, you where everybody else is like tripping off of this and that and this and that i'm like Pff. i get the same way there's some things that i've been through where i'm like like you could try me, but ultimately like my faith is what's going to get me through whatever I'm going through at the current moment. Yeah. You kind of sometimes just have to like, you know, like it's up to you. It's up to the universe, up to God to kind of like bring you through in like a better light, you yeah. know? Yeah. I mean, sometimes things seem overwhelming, but I press into God. I, uh, you know what I mean? I cling to the things and the stuff that I was taught and I'm here. I'm still thriving. I'm still helping. You know, even in my madness and the chaos of my life, sometimes I still go and I preach and I go into juvenile halls and we're getting ready to go into the women's prison. And, you know, um, we do so much good stuff that it it really overrides all the the stuff that's going on in my life, even though it's, you know, they're pretty big things. It still doesn't compare with all the great things I have going on in my life. Exactly, and so 12 years sober, like in between those 12 years, how long did it take for like the temptations to stop? Well, I had a, I had a um, parting the Red Sea moment. Mine was gone in an instant. In an instant, as soon as I went into that program. So I went into the program and finally trying to do something good with my life. And three days later, my parole officer shows up and says they let me out three weeks early out of prison. I've oh never heard gosh. of that before. <laughs> but I was just being like tested. Yes. Crazy. So they sent me all the way back out to, to Hatchaby Prison. Um, three weeks later, later, I was let out again. And I was back in my neighborhood. I was supposed to spend the day with my family, then go into the church. But... In just those three days, something had happened to me. 
where I was just so uneasy in my skin. I was in the neighborhood where I would always get high and I just didn't want no part of it anymore. And it only took three days. And I wasn't even sober. I was, you know, I was coming down off of drugs in those three days, just getting right. But when God comes into your life, it happens different for everybody. But he invaded my life and he took away the craving. <laughs> He's like, you don't need any of this anymore. Well, we're extreme. Yeah. I'm extreme. My family's extreme. I led an extreme life. So God knows what you need when you need it. He knew that I needed an extreme transformation. Yeah. I, um, a friend told me, you know, God gives you what you need as he sees fit. Amen. So it comes in any form. Like, yes. But you just have to be willing to like accept it for what it is. Yep. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. So I know. Um, so we're going to go ahead and start wrapping up. But like, is there anything that you want to add or say, like, let's say if someone's struggling with sobriety, with sobriety or just being stuck in a place that they know isn't going to get them where they should be or want to be? <sighs> Seek help. Seek help. You know, NAAA, all that stuff is good. I'm not saying nothing bad about it, but it's it doesn't have that lasting power like coming to Christ does. You mm -hmm. know, I've seen just transformation. My best friend um, hung himself. He was dead for 10 minutes. He came to Christ. He leads now Celebrate Recovery at my church. Um, my brother died for 10 minutes. He's, he's been sober for quite a number of years now. There's just miracle after miracle at my church. There's nothing that you guys out there have went through that someone at my church hasn't and i'm not trying to get people to go to my church <laughs> you know what i mean that's not what that's not my purpose but can i give them my instagram mm -hmm. so if you guys are struggling man um addiction you're struggling with self-worth you're suicidal whatever it may be hit me up at nwc dave that's my instagram and um or new wine church website um we have Celebrate Recovery. I run an anger management group. There's always a way out. You know, God loves you. There's nothing that you're going through that someone in the church hasn't been through that we can help you through. It's never too late. You know, there's people at my church that went in at 50 something and they're doing great. You know, that's amazing. You never hear someone say, I was doing great until I went to church. Then my life <laughs> fell apart. You right? never, ever hear that. It's always the opposite. The proof is in the pudding. You know what I mean? Definitely. I couldn't stop getting high one second. But as soon as I came to Christ, someone that I couldn't see with my eyes, you know what I mean? All of those chains just fell off of me. And God can do it for you too. You know, there, there is hope for you. You know, if people treat you bad, you know, you got self self-loathing whatever it is it's not always addiction you know but um check out new wine church you know we have a men's home a women's home there um if you need a, a program you know hit up the website um or if you just need to talk you can message me at nwc dave on instagram and like i said um you know listening to this podcast or follow me on instagram it's so nice to have like something to look at something to relate to but going back to Dave's church, this is a physical space. You know, you feel the energy. There's more than, it's a community and I'm all about community. Growth happens in community. So like if there's anything you feel yourself struggling with and maybe you're not in the area, like there's a community near you. I promise you that everyone has a community they belong to. So 
I really appreciate you for being on this podcast yeah, thank and you. sharing. It was a privilege. Amen. Thank you. Can I say a quick prayer? I'm going to pray for you guys out there real quick. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just lift up all those that are listening, Lord, all those that are suicidal, dealing with addiction, self-worth, Lord. I just ask that you send them someone, Lord. They listen to this podcast. Maybe it's even on accident, Lord, and just do what you do in their lives, Lord. Let them know that there is a way out, Lord. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Amen. Well, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Make sure to check me out on Instagram, at the Higher Purpose Coach. Subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Send it to someone who could relate, even if you don't relate. And until Monday, keep uncovering your happiness. <laughs>